Welcome everyone to part one of a very special feature series where Carrie and I examine some of the most outrageous, controversial, and brilliant psychology experiments ever conducted. Milgram and obedience to authority, Zimbardo and the infamous Stanford prison experiment, the US government and codename MKUltra. I'm Ryan and this is What Brings You In. The year is 1962. Although nearly 20 years have passed since the end of World War II, psychology is still struggling to explain how the Nazi party was able to convince so many people to commit such horrible acts. It was believed at the time that the German people were inherently different from Americans, and that atrocities like the Holocaust would never occur in the US. Enter Dr. Stanley Milgram. Born in the Bronx in 1933 to Jewish parents, Milgram was profoundly affected by the events of World War II. The question was simple. Would mentally sound, good-natured American men abandon their morals if directed to by an authority figure? Dr. Milgram's findings sent shockwaves through the field of psychology. His experiment design involved three men. One man in a lab coat, the experimenter, one man acting as a teacher, and one acting as a student. The student was seated in a room and hooked up to an electrode capable of shocking him while the teacher and the experimenter were seated in a separate room. The teacher would communicate with the student through an intercom system, asking the student a series of multiple choice questions. Each time the student provided a wrong answer, the teacher pressed a button that gave a shock to the students. The intensity of the shock increased with every wrong answer, ranging from mild shock to a fatal shock. After each shock, the teacher heard the student crying out in pain over the intercom system. When hearing intense cries for help, the teacher would turn to the experimenter and ask to end the experiments. What men in the teacher role didn't know was that there was no student being shocked. It was all a setup. The whole purpose of the experiment was to see how far the teacher would go. The only obstacle was the experimenter urging the teacher to continue shocking the learner. Despite the teacher being free to stop at any point, an unbelievable 65% of the men in the teacher role continued shocking the learner to a fatal level. So I was taking an elective and I thought, you know, psychology would be good because I had some other stuff going on in my life and I thought maybe I could learn and it would help me in some ways. So our class predicted less than 1% and I was doing some research for this episode and I found that many professionals at the time, back in 1962, Milgram consulted with them in advance of his experiment. These are, you know, eminent psychiatrists, mm -hmm. people who are teaching at Ivy League universities and they're saying one fraction of 1%. Oh, there. so less than one human being. Less than one in a hundred would do this. Yeah. Wow. So these these very um, prestigious people in the field of psychology at that time were saying, I believe the most common answer was one hundredth of one percent. So like one out of, what is that, one in a thousand or one in ten thousand? I don't know, but it's um, one out of a lot of people. One, one out of a lot, <laughs> a lot of, people. of people. Right. And then to for him to come back, I mean, can you imagine being in Milgram's position and getting these results and being like, Jesus. I have to go now and tell people that they are orders of magnitude. Like you guys 60, are inconceivably yeah. wrong <laughs> about yeah. how people behave and about how authority. Your understanding people. of human beings is completely yeah. flawed. Totally wrong. So, yes. and I, I think that plays out in daily life. Like, what we we do to please our bosses? What we do we do to please um, who we consider authority? Which could be society in general, like an ideology. Mm -hmm. It could be another human being that I work with who I think is smarter, wiser than I am. Um, it could be an authority figure like a doctor or a cop or right, like a lab coat. 
Yeah, with the lab coat, Which, right? just as a sidebar, the only real measure of the authority of this experimenter was a lab coat. Yeah. That was it's what incredible, convinced right? these people was a piece of fabric got two-thirds of people to Well, a murder. piece of fabric and then the whole setup, right? I am the experimenter. Yeah, that's, that's like, fair. I downplayed that a little bit. It yeah. was the lab coat plus it's Yale University. Whole, it's yeah, everything like whole, that. So. Yeah, yeah. But that's still... As, as, a, as a woman, I'm, I'm sure a lot of men go through this too, but just the idea of who is beautiful and who's not, that comes from mm-hmm. ideology that I've been taught and I've seen mm-hmm. and people I follow. And I and people follow to extreme extents where they... Right? Meaning if somebody is beautiful, you are likely to follow them because mm-hmm. they embody this... Yeah. Or that's beautiful, right? So then I have to look, think, maybe even act the part like she does, right? Um, that happens in our daily life when we are with our morals and our beliefs, right? So if we're in a culture and surrounded by people who might be thinking, I don't know, that homosexually homosexuals are terrible and that they're awful mm-hmm. people, maybe just while I'm there in their authority, I'll not say my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I'll keep my opinion to myself just because it's so scary to go up against authority or go up against the group think, right? Yeah, it is. And that kind of ties into, you know, the ash experiments with mm-hmm. um, the line. Yeah. So yeah. this is That's a, a good whole, one too. Yeah, it really ties into this. So Milgram was actually somebody who's influenced by Ash. So Ash was another researcher who he had an experiment where there would be lines of different lengths, but these were obviously clearly different, clearly lengths. different lengths. Like one line would be half the yeah. size of the other line. Like there's no doubting it. Zero. You look <laughs> at it, you're like, that's a pretty short line. Yeah. Right? So they had a group of people, three people were in on the experiment and one person was a volunteer who didn't know what was going on. And so the point of this experiment was to figure out how many people saying that the shorter line was actually the longer one before the other person would be convinced and would hmm. would go against their own physical senses and perceptions. Yeah. I think it was three was the magic number, right? Three or four yeah. people. Yeah. And keep in mind that this is somebody, okay, so imagine you have a foot-long line and then like a, a six-inch long yeah, line. Dramatically different. Like there's Clearly. no denying. Yeah. As soon as you have three people going, nah, that, that shorter one is actually the longer one. People are looking at that shorter line, like looking at it, seeing that it's shorter. And denying it. And going, huh, I must be wrong. And that ties strongly into this because it shows you that we have hard wiring to obey authority. I think we're hardwired to belong and authority is a way to belong because I can take part of the responsibility and give it to authority and then I'm one with this authority figure or one with this group. So I would say we're hardwired and just different manifestations of that would, mm-hmm. is to belong, to be somewhere and to be part of something. So this plays into kind of agentic theory, I believe is what Milgram called it, where to give agency to another human. Like, so basically, if mm-hmm. you're the person who is shocking the learner and you think this is wrong, this other human is in pain, yeah. they're crying out to me to be released, they're saying And they I would fear. really cry out, right? They're yeah. like, stop, stop, Yeah, please, and we'll play, I'll play a clip yeah. here right away so they can, the people listening can hear what was actually being said. Yeah. There's no ambiguity. This is a, a human who is pain. suffering. Continue, teacher. This is incorrect. This will be at 3.30. The correct phrase is rich boy. Let me out of here. My heart's bothering me. Let me out, I tell you. Let me out of here. Let me out of here. You have no right to hold me here. The next phrase is fast. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out of here. Let me out. Bird, car, train, plane. And you are the one pushing the button, inflicting the suffering on them at the direction of this other person. And so at some point, if you're going to continue against your own morals, what you've done essentially is you have given up 
all agency of your own belief system. You said my beliefs are less right or less relevant or less effective. It's more important to please you. It's more important to follow your instructions. This other person has a a better way of doing things or is Mm. more qualified or credible. I should abandon my own thoughts, feelings, and beliefs and assume the other feelings and beliefs of this other person. That reminds me of like the bystander effect. So in New York, there was a brutal killing of a young lady. Oh, I remember this one. And it was brutal. It was brutal. She was raped. She was stabbed. It was awful. Um, And... I think, I don't remember the number, but it was more than 15, 20 people saw it and no one called the cops. Yeah. So then social psychologists went in like, what happened? How did all these good-natured, well-rounded human beings not call the cops? And everyone said, is that I thought someone else would do it. Yes. Right? So I think that also plays into the idea of if I'm not the only one here and I'm not the only one committing this act, then maybe I'm not completely responsible for it. So if you have somebody who you view as being one, a legitimate figure of authority, meaning they have some standing or mm-hmm. intelligence or credibility, and you believe they will take responsibility for whatever is being done, those two ingredients have a disastrous effect on the human, human psyche. We are not wired to handle that. And as soon no. as you think, oh, okay, well, this person says that they will take responsibility and they are wearing a lab coat and this is Yale University so I might as well do what they say yeah I must be wrong like I feel like shocking this person is wrong because I've been raised to know that hurting people is Hmm. wrong and this person is clearly in pain but you're doubting yourself on a level of like two plus two equals four right it's such a basic hurting people is wrong that is inalienable but not so. If somebody wearing a lab coat in a certain environment and says, I'll I think take we start feeding ownership. like what you were saying that I was picturing myself in that situation. And to be honest, I probably would have said something like, well, this experiment is going to teach us such wonderful things. Yeah. It's, you know, the good of the many. Right. You justify <laughs> Press that button. Right. So right. we justify our behavior. We do. So that we don't feel so uncomfortable while we're doing it. And I don't know about you, but on some level, I know when I'm doing stuff like that. I can think hmm. of examples of times in my life where I knew I should have taken one action, but because that would have been a very uncomfortable thing and a very daunting thing for me to do, yeah, for sure. I did that. And it's weird too, because when you're in this field, it's so annoying. You can feel it happening as it happens, oh, yeah. but you can't always catch it. No one's perfect. So while you're going through it, I think I'm with you. I probably would have done something similar in that, well, I should do stop. something to help this person. Right. I, I probably should, should stop. Yeah. But then this little weird kind of magic happens in your brain where your brain goes well it wouldn't be so bad because in the end or something good's going to come out of it right it's It's just one person just don't (laughs) worry about it it's going to be okay it's awful when we say it right just yeah they say it out loud it's horrifying because Mm. this reasoning is behind most of the awful things that have ever been committed done like gangs like what when we think of like uh violence acts it's not rare but many violent acts are done in groups they're not just there are those single people that go out and do something terrible but some of them are also accompanied by other people in other groups and some authority within that group that's telling them that's what they have to do and then they do it and when you look at like the examples of well what about the person giving the order because Mm. is there anybody in the chain of of this kind of cause and effect chain that feels i am responsible the answer is no the no. person who is giving the order feels probably has like, an order well they have an order but what research also shows is that if you give an order to somebody you absolve yourself of responsibility because, because they're doing it they're doing it 
and then the person who is receiving the order so responsibility is just like loom like it's just yeah it's the, the whole just, diffusion of responsibility yeah, right like what, in the air. what carrie was talking about with that new york crowd it's the same kind of thing hmm. people are all looking at this being like well this is bullshit and clearly wrong but i'm not the one who's supposed yeah. to deal with this yeah. somebody yeah. else is is the, the the one and we can do that in small levels right when i hear I don't know, some, when I was in college, there was a couple that lived real in the Eros and they got some brutal fights. And several times, you know, my roommate's like, should we call the cops? Oh, the domestic situations. Yeah, like yeah. domestic violence. Yeah. Like, we didn't know because they were speaking a language we didn't know, but just the volume and just like the sound. Um, and the three of us would sit there like, should we call? Should we not call? You know something's call? up. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, the three of us said, no, let's call, right? Because we all of us thought maybe we won't be able to sleep if something right. does happen, right? So we started imagining terrible situations. But it took us maybe three fights, four fights. It wasn't like the first one and at the mm-hmm. first five minutes. This was something that took us a long time to assume. And was it the idea of, well, what if we're wrong or what if it's not that bad? hundred percent. Right. No, maybe we're making something out of nothing. Maybe this is like a cultural thing. Maybe this is, we just don't know what they're saying. Maybe they're saying beautiful things. Try to, try to, like, obviously all that doesn't make sense. Now that I'm saying it, I'm like, uh. Yeah, I know. But in the moment, and that's the thing, right, is humans will often look at other animals, like when the dog chases a stick and you go, huh, weird. Why are they so obsessed with like catching and fetching? But people don't realize humans have a lot of really ingrained circuits like that. Obedience to authority is one. Uh, conformity is another wanting like you were talking about, to fit in and, and having a sense of, of belonging and acceptance there are a whole bunch of things that humans are hardwired for seeking relationships and connection mm-hmm. and it all plays off of each other where if you have unscrupulous people who would like to manipulate or take advantage and you know these things okay well if i can convince this person that, that i'm I an am, authority figure I'm you an authority can trust figure, me you can trust me and that i'll take responsibility even if i won't if I tell you that I will, and then you go and do something, you'll get blamed for it, and congratulations. Now, and I'm okay. You I'm just got screwed, and I'm off the hook, right? With yeah. exception being, there are certain things that are inalienable in terms of your responsibility. You can never abdicate responsibility for causing harm to another person. Of course. You can't of say, course. well, even like I believe in Germany now, there's a law where soldiers don't actually have to follow orders. Yeah, because they got of terrified what of what they did. Yeah. yeah, and so they put in all these protections. And you know, as you were speaking about like being ingrained to follow orders and be obedient, I think that's even it's maintained in our culture, just how we're taught, right? So we're kids, and we learn to obey our parents, and a good kid is the one that obeys, right? Um, and then we go to school, and we do the same thing at school with our teachers, and then we go to college, and we do the same thing with our professors, and then we get a job, and guess what? We do the same thing with our boss. So it's just it's very much a part of our everyday life. I don't. I know it's astonishing that we can think that way, but if we've been living in that for so long, how can Mm -hmm. we expect it not to have an effect on us? And how can we not expect it to take us bad paths in different situations? Yeah, and I think even like on an evolutionary level, if you look at what would happen if we didn't have that circuit, what if you had a group of, you know, say eight or 10 people Mm. and each person was very focused on doing their own thing, they were just there wouldn't be cohesion there. Mm. And I think it makes total sense that it would be beneficial, but it's just a double-edged sword, right? It's helped us in many ways. Like when you have somebody who gives up their agency, it creates these wonderful focused streamlined groups where they're all working in unison and harmony towards one goal. Collective thinking. Right. And it can be very good in most situations, but then there's a flip side. Again, it's just just what we do with it, right? Now now that we're aware that we have this ingrained and it's part of what makes us human and it helps us tons in a lot of different areas in our lives. If we didn't follow instructions when Mm -hmm. I was like seven, I probably would have died, right? I needed (laughs) to follow instructions. Um, 
just knowing that about ourselves is important and then knowing that there are instructions I have to follow and that's wonderful and then instructions I have to like be careful and maybe take a step back and observe them a little. So this raises a very interesting question then of are there bad people? No. Well, okay, that's uh, <laughs> I answered that really fast, that's, right? <laughs> that's mine as well though. I, I honestly the more I've done this job especially Me too. And you, in our first episode, you were talking about infidelity and the causes Mm. and how people can be put in these situations. And it's exactly this, right? You're in a situation, you're not thinking totally clearly, and then someone's going, well, no, nobody would just do that. You must be a bad person. Only bad, selfish, awful people would commit infidelity. And you only do that if you don't. Right. You don't love people or Mm. you're like fucked up or something. You have to be in order to do that. And experiments like these really cast doubt on that and go, well, if people can murder, if two thirds of people can murder without coercion, like how do we conceptualize now? What exactly would make up? Is that evil? Right. Are these people bad people? Are two thirds of people just like shit yeah i think it's really just the acceptance of any uh, any of us can do horrible things yes at any time just the right circumstances can bring it out in you yeah like lord of the fly style right you you don't think and very often even now knowing all this stuff i fully am aware and acknowledge that if i was in a certain situation I would probably not take the correct immoral action yeah. and that's a very terrifying thing for people but to admit but it's a very real thing right it's it a is. very real thing and if you think that you won't just keep in mind that realistically outside of psychology especially nearly 100% of people would say I would never do what happened in the Milgram experience I would never imagine so two thirds of people are totally wrong about yeah their ability to protect no, and I think behavior. there's a lot of bravery in accepting those limitations we have as yeah. humans and I just think we at times want to fight our limitations so badly and think that we're perfect or that we're strong or that we're powerful and we are and there is a power in accepting limitations like mm-hmm. it keeps you safe it does and helps you to know what you have to be aware of yeah. right if you know going back to the infidelity example many couples I've worked with we conclude well you probably just shouldn't go to the club anymore with your boys and get you know smashed until two three yeah, in the because morning. you're not that you know you're not a very good regulator yeah. of your behavior under those circumstances yeah. and that's okay it doesn't make you right. less of a human it, being it doesn't, it make, doesn't you make you bad. an awful man it just has you have that limitation and that's something you, you know, have to i can be never i will never be an engineer it's hard for me to add sometimes <laughs> and i know that limitation and that's fine right yes and if you know it it's helpful and acknowledging those limits is important to preventing yourself from succumbing to that to type something of like behavior. this that catches you by surprise on a more modern note there's a very interesting uh, netflix documentary so i recommended this to carrie uh, oh, it was awful to watch <laughs> awful to watch i had to like fast forward 10 seconds at a time because it was just too hard it's intense right it's intense it's called the push and it's by a i think he calls himself a mentalist darren yes. brown it's available on netflix and so the gist of it is very similar. He takes concepts from the Milgram obedience to authority mm-hmm. experiments. He takes concepts from different sales techniques that are rooted in psychology, like foot in the door. Mm-hmm. So it starts by having this charity gala. Um, we have a charity gala coming up in, in April. April, which I have assured her is not <laughs> an elaborate hoax to test your if you're My a murderer or not. To not <laughs> succumb to. So th- there's this charity gala, and there is a, a, a volunteer. Right, that they've recruited through these research programs, and the the volunteer thinks that they're just going to help out of the gala. They don't know that anything they're is going networking, on. right? They're like they're networking to help or something and network like that. And, yeah. yeah, and so it starts off where they're a volunteer server, and one of the people says, "Oh, can you label those hors d'oeuvres as vegan?" And the guy's like, "Well, they're not vegan though. 
they have meat. I know, but I can't buy another. It's really late and we're on time. Can we just, just put him in there? Right? right. Don't worry about it. And then he does. Yeah. And so there's the first in for a penny, in for a pound. As soon as you can get somebody like that, you've got them. And you can just chip away at them a little. Yeah. It's terrifying to think about. Terrifying. Right? So that happens. And so spoiler alerts here coming up. So if you want to watch this, you don't want to know what happens, just like shut this off and go watch it. So the night progresses and the asks get bigger and bigger. Eventually there's like a guy has a heart attack and don't call 911. We have to hide the body. And, and you can hide. see the effect oh, on the, Right. Hide the body. Like what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> right? And you can see that this person is having like a, a crisis. They're yeah. having like a meltdown. You can, I believe he was hyperventilating. Yeah. Yeah. He gets point. all red. He has to yeah. take a time off. He like breathes. Yeah. So some people who are watching this are probably like, oh, this is staged and whatever. But I think the more you know about this type of research, mm. the more you believe that this is not really... Sure. And then at the end of the video, they show different people that kind yes, of do so the Yes, so you can thing. see it. Yeah. And so the whole night is building up with these ever-increasingly ridiculous and outrageous social violations compliance. and social compliance tests. Yeah. It culminates in being asked to murder somebody. Yeah. And this goes back to the Milgram experiment where prior to watching this, I'm like, well, naturally. And I think it's even harder than the Milgram, in my opinion, because it's uh, a, I agree. It's a person that yeah. you see, at least in the Milgram experiment, you couldn't see them. You could just hear them. Removed, at least, right? Which is proven to reduce. Yeah, compliance. to reduce. Yeah. But, but this is like touch, feel, you know, see yeah. a human There's being and then decide to kill them. On a ledge. is yeah. the gist. So the, the actor is on a ledge. They're in a harness. Obviously, you can't see the harness. And so if you push this person, the assumed outcome is they will fall to their death. No, they're in a huge building, right? There's no way the person's not going to die. He's yeah, going to die. they're for sure going to die. And the person's going, well, after everything you've done tonight, there's cameras. And I mean, we You're can going get to those. Jail. You're going to go to jail. All of us are going to go to jail. I think that was important too. That yes, said, it's the All group. of us it's are going to go to jail. If you don't do this, we're, we're all, all going to go to jail. jail. You're going to yeah. ruin all of our lives. Is that yeah. what you want? Yeah. And I mean, that, again, while we're sitting here, it sounds very obvious. Well, like, no, that's not okay. I'm obviously not going to kill somebody. Are you insane? Yeah, but, but when you're in this situation and you've done all these things and you're panicked and you're not thinking clearly, your emotions are flooding you. Right. So take a guess based on what we've shared with you about the Milgram how experiment. How many people actually many people the guy do you think the push the guy? My prediction was 66%. So I don't want to ruin the total outcome, but um, that's a, a really, really cool look at it. Yeah, and I, it for is. what it's worth, I don't think it was very staged at all in terms of having like an actor hamming it up. And no, it's, it's also really interesting how they recruit the people. Like when you see how they recruit the people, you kind of, you could even, yeah, it makes more sense how they got there. And then also just who we are as human beings, right? Right. So this all sounds pretty scary and like, okay, so do we just throw agency out the window? Are we all just at the whims of the situations we encounter mm. in life? Do we even have free will? Well, of course. And there's very promising research. Yeah, Let me take a, a look at my notes. I got some very specific numbers here. Um, the most, the, the thing that really gets me the most is if one person speaks out, obedience dropped from 66% to 10%. Yeah. So when you're hearing this stuff, just remember that we all have a duty, an inherent capacity for goodness and for honorable moral behavior. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a situation and you don't think it's right and you're feeling that, that, that pressure your stomach, right? where you know this, what, what's happening is mm -hmm. not okay, but I'm scared to speak up about it, just remember that most people are also probably feeling that. And all it takes is one dissenting one really voice, brave voice, one person to say, you know what? I don't think so. And all of a sudden, everybody bands together and jumps yeah. on that. Yeah. So some other interesting stats that I pulled out in, in my research here. 
the lab coat the experimenter mm. was wearing, there was a variation of the experiment where the, the experimenter would leave, got a phone call, was the cover story, and then a regularly dressed person would come back, and that dropped obedience to 20%. So there so was really that. Yeah, doing outside of, of Yale also dropped obedience. Um, there was another video I watched where a university professor asked his students to flip them off, like give them the finger. Mm-hmm. And he did this while wearing a suit. Only one person in the class did it. He yeah, came he back. Did. Yeah, and he did he did it over and over again and it was like nobody, maybe one one person in the class, you know, that one outrageous person who doesn't give a doesn't give a crap. Uh, changes outfit and tried to repeat this little test and almost half of people did it. So it just shows you the effect of clothing even, something like a lab coat or a business suit. I also read one experiment where that person was wearing a lab coat and their vocabulary changed. They wouldn't swear as much. Uh, they did use more sophisticated words, like even within ourselves, right? You'd put on the, la- like, like right. they monitor people before they put on the lab yes. coat, swearing, helping behavior, like tons of stuff change once they put on the lab uh, coat. So this speaks to something called rules, right? Mm. If you feel like you are a professional or somebody who is medical, you access in your memory, how do professional people or medical people or whoever behave and yeah. you start to emulate that. Yeah. And this ties into our next special feature, which is the Zimbardo prison experiments. Wonderful experiment. Wonderful. Yes, also <laughs> super scary. Yeah. It involves prisoners and guards and what happens if you're told, just being told you're a prisoner, even and if you're not wearing actually the, wearing, wearing the, the guard, guard uniform. And with, wearing the prisoner outfit, right? How does it change behavior? Yeah. And one other interesting thing is on the note of this obedience and dissension and, and moral behavior, the conductor of the prison experiment was witnessing abuse in his experiment, very major, grievous ethical violations. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't him who stopped the experiment. It was actually one of his graduate students who stumbled into this experiment and was going, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. An and outside he, voice. Right, and one person, and that one person, to what we just spoke about, is all it took to end this abuse and end mm. this controversy that was occurring mm. right under, literally under the, the floors of Stanford University. This has been a special feature here on What Brings You In. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you.